You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So uh, I read Mismatch Sacks, your latest blog post on SaxonBasement.com, and I got to tell you, buddy, uh, it was so good that I'm going to devote an entire segment to it today on the show. That That's how much I enjoyed it. I, to paraphrase a popular wrestler, I knew you would. Yeah, because it's all, it's all about proving me right. Like, that's, yes. what makes it, that's what makes it brilliant, Ed. Like, for the last couple of weeks, you keep trying to bring it up, and I just go right by your new blog. And now you did an entire, like, the first half of it is just proving me right and making me look smart. And I'm like, well, then we got to talk about it. So you, you figured out the secret, big guy. Well, no, here's the deal. I, the, the whole point of me doing the blog is not just to show how smart I am because I don't get a word in edgewise on here because do, I do a fair amount of talking. We do. You get more information out than anybody else I've ever had on this show. You do a great job. Don't sell yourself short. People love you, Ed. Well, and I love the people. But what I want people to do is I want people to understand, like, hey, look, if you're looking for some expansion on some of the things that we're talking about, where we can get into some more numbers, where I can actually lay some things out a little bit better uh, and just kind of go and expand on the topics because we're 30 minutes of good right here. But if you want to add, like, say, an extra 15 minutes of reading to your uh, your time, go hit up Mismatch Socks and chances are that you are going to find something that is, uh, you know, going to make Chris look smart for what he was talking about on the show. So That's why I like you. You make me look smart. You have been talking about this this theory of yours. I don't want to get into it yet. I got to talk about the sponsor. I, we got a, we got another guy added onto the team. We're going to get to it. Okay? okay. I'm just, I, this okay. is the plug. I'm just plugging it, big guy. Okay? This is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you have an issue in your basement, think you may have an issue in your basement, or just wonder, do I have an issue in my basement? Have them come take a look. It's free. And uh, they can do it virtually. They can do it on scene safely. They will look at anything from your sump pumps to your window wells to whether or not you have seepage to whether or not you have something that is brewing down there that you might want to look at before, let's say, you lose everything in your basement. Give them a call today. The phone number is plastered right there on the Socks in the Basement logo. Wherever you're listening, it's right there. Or check them out. Family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned, F-A-M-W-S dot com. Before we get to how you made me look so smart... The White Sox added a player on a minor league deal that I find intriguing, and I want to spend just a few moments talking about one Jonathan Lucroy. Now, yeah. as we enter into this, first off, the Sox are also adding another member to this Tony LaRusso staff, which I am quickly falling in love with. Whatever your thoughts were about Tony LaRusso, the way the staff is being put together, the fact we're going to have somebody down there who just deals with Saber metrics. Like, when have we ever seen that before? And now they're adding Jerry Naren to the coaching staff just for catching instruction. And here's a guy who specializes in pitch framing. And because of his addition, Jonathan Lucroy reportedly, after being told that, said, I will take a minor league deal with the Chicago White Sox. And there is a real possibility he and not Zach Collins is your backup catcher in 2021. What did you think, first of all, when you saw that little move get made? Well, I was half expecting some veteran competition to come in because I wasn't sold on the idea that the Sox were just going to rely on Zavala or Mercedes or Collins to come in. 
uh, unless they thought that Collins was going to fill that DH role, you know, if Andrew Vaughn wasn't ready to go. But having somebody like Luke Roy come in, who he didn't play last year, played last for the Cubs in 2019, he's far away from his all-star days, but he is still a guy who knows the league. He's been around. Nobody really has ever had any complaints about him as a catcher, as a hitter. So he's kind of an ideal guy to have sitting next to Yaz Grandal because he's not a guy that is going to sit here and say, I need at bats like James McCann did. He's not going to be a guy that uh, pitchers are going to have a problem throwing to. And I know a lot of people wanted Jeff Mathis because he seemed to be Lance Lynn's personal caddy the past couple seasons with the Rangers. But Lucroy is a very, very good catcher. And, it, you know, if he's excited about what the coaching staff is doing, I think that says something. And if he's excited to be here on a minor league deal, I think that also says something. I think you, you're right. I think he's going to be on the opening day roster as the backup catcher. Let's talk about this guy. He gets his career kicked off in 2010 in Milwaukee, and two years later, he's got an OPS plus of 132, and he continues that tear. Remember, 100's average. You got a guy up in the 132s? He's a good hitter. He's 116 yeah. the next year. He's an all-star the next year with a 131 OPS plus. 2015, it dips for the first time, and then he comes right back with a 120 OPS plus while he's in Milwaukee, gets traded to Texas and increases it to a 128 OPS plus. And then he has a rough first half with the Rangers. So now the Rangers trade in midseason. In fact, for multiple years, the guy was half on one team and went to another team for the second half. Like it, that was like the Jonathan Lucroy. He was like a middle of the season, always getting traded type guy. He goes to Colorado, fixes the problem. He's once again, well over hundred on the OPS plus, And that was it. He spent a year in 2018 in Oakland, and the entire bottom dropped out. We're talking about a guy who would hit in the 270s, sometimes get up into the 290s, who's hitting 241, and his OPS plus drops to 72. And he spends one year in Oakland, they move on from him. Then he bounces around between the Angels and the Cubs the next year, and his OPS plus sits right in the mid-70s again between those two teams, and his batting average is again in the 230s, 240s, and then he sits out last year. He was a really good, solid offensive contributor through his year 31 season. And now he's about to enter his year 35 season, and it has been a completely different thing. So he's in there to be a vet. He's hoping that he's got one more great year in him after taking a rest. You know, catchers break down as they get older. So maybe he's like, you know what? I feel good. I feel fresh. It took a whole year off. Like, I'm ready. Maybe I can find some magic. As a backup... And if the focus is, hey, I want him to be out there working with a pitch framer, I, he's trying to reinvent himself for a couple more seasons in the sun. He's not a bad guy to give a minor league contract to. Well, and he's also a guy that, in addition to his defensive prowess and what he's going to try and do with the pitch framing, you hit it on the head. He's a good hitter all the way up through, what, 2018, right? At that point, maybe he's no longer a viable everyday catcher. But the Sox are not asking him to catch every day. The Sox are going to play matchups with Jonathan Lucroy. They are going to put him in against left-handed pitchers where you're going to give Yaz a blow, even though he's a switch hitter. He doesn't need it. Uh, they're going to put him in against pitchers that he probably historically has hit well against or a type of pitcher. So as long as the coaching staff has an understanding of how to use the guy, he's going to get good offensive production in this part-time role, and that's what a lot of catchers kind of do. And if you think back, Witcher's numbers were not great in 2005, but you didn't feel bad with him coming to the plate because Ozzy put him in situations where you figured he was going to have a chance to succeed. The only scary thing but also intriguing thing about it is if you truly believe the White Sox are not adding anything else, 
really major to this team, and they desperately need another bat. The the idea that we're waiting on Andrew Vaughn, who's never hit above single A, and that that continues to be suggested. I mean, Chris Getz uh, just got promoted to assistant GM and and charge of player development, I believe, this week. And he kind of alluded to the idea of like, well, that, that's the guy who's probably going to be the DH. I mean, that's crazy to me. Alluded to it. He, he practically just said, that's what's happening, guys. Yeah, Get over it. That's really frightening to me. Uh, but you could also see the White Sox now play a lot of games early on here. If Vaughn isn't ready to start the year, is it a competition between guys like Zach Collins and Yerman Mercedes? Like, are these the guys that are going to be you know, competing for that because your backup catcher is now Lucroy? are you going to have three catchers in the lineup? Because we're going to give one of these guys like nothing but at bats. Like that might be the thing. They may, they may get really weird with their DH situation early in the season until Vaughn is up. If he doesn't start the year with the team, this could get really weird, really quick. I don't like it. And that will bring us to the next thing we're going to talk about because Ed wrote a masterful piece on mismatch socks found at socksofthebasement.com that proves me to be a genius. And that is next Right here on Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry, cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's going to help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. All right, so I want to read it. I I, I never thought I was going to be one of those guys. You know I hate doing this. I'm going to actually read an article. And I'm not going to read the entire article, but I find it to be brilliant. And Wait, you're just going to sit here and read the article? I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'm going to read oh, okay, some okay. points about the, the article. I'm not reading the whole thing, okay? But currently, the latest entry from Ed, and there's really good uh, breakdowns and analysis and just some funny stuff on Mismatch Socks, which is at SocksInTheBasement.com. Uh, the first thing, the first part of the article says, does Chris Lanuti hold water? And what you're referring to is whether or not my theory that I've had over the last few shows makes sense that Rick Hahn only had the amount to spend for 2021 that he had been able to subtract from the 2020 payroll. And you start off with, I might be wrong, but then you broke it all down. So here we go. This is who came off the payroll last season. Ed goes and does the research. Encarnacion at 11 million, Calame at 10.5 mil, Nomar Mazzara at 5.5 mil, James McCann at 5.4, Gio Gonzalez at 4.5, Gerard Dyson's two and Dane Dunning's $500,000 and change. Carlos Rodan took a $1.45 million reduction by not getting tendered and then being re-signed for $3 million. And there's $5.82 million in retained salary. That's Steve Ciszek, 
and Yonder Alonso still on the payroll last year that is now gone. A couple other guys in there too, but yeah. Yeah, there's, there's other guys in there too. That comes out to $46,826,000. That's what came off the books from 2020. All right. So now we go and take a look at what has been added. But before we do that, Ed goes through the raises. Abreu will make $5 million more in 21. TA is up $3.25 million. Moncada's up $5 million. Aloy gets $2 million more. Robert gets $2 million more. Giolito's up $3.5 million over last year. Reynaldo Lopez is up a million and a half. And Engel is up $500,000. Bummer's up a million. There's a few others that get mixed in. He adds it all up. And $23,750,000 has been added in raises. That leaves a hair over $23 million to spend on new guys. Now, if you're falling behind, don't worry. It's on Mismatch Socks at SocksInTheBasement.com. This is brilliant because Ed just breaks the whole thing down. So to this point, on Major League contracts alone, $8 million for Lynn, $7 million for Eaton, $11 million for Hendricks. That's $26 million spent. That's on the Major League contracts. If you don't count Carlos Rodon's $3 million, I'm dead on at $23 million added before the Rodon contract. So all the White Sox did between 2020 and 2021 was add Carlos Rodon and his $3 million. How did you feel when you came to that conclusion about the White Sox payroll and how strict the budget was in the offseason? I, I wouldn't have written it had I not had a suspicion or at least myself kind of taking a look at it and seeing that you were right that what they had added <laughs> was pretty close to what they had subtracted. But I knew that there were more names out there than just some of the ones that we were talking about on the show. Right. And I wanted to look and see, okay, well, wait a minute here. If you factor in all the raises, cause a bunch of guys went through ARB, they got tendered contracts, you know, and we saw what it was. It was actually what I said in there was, I, I fear you might be wrong because I think it might actually be worse than what you're saying. And it is because the only thing that they extended the payroll for was Carlos Rodon. And that bothers me a little bit, but that's also, it, it is the reality of it, that if you're looking at it, you're right, they went payroll neutral. They took guys off, they took a bunch of salaries off, and then what they brought back in was really hindered and limited by that, plus or minus some. So I'm figuring they may have had a little bit more of a budget, maybe they didn't give as many raises out as they were thinking, they did better in the arbitration process with the young guys, so maybe they did have a few extra million to play with, but they turned that into Carlos Rodon, which buys into this theory that at $3 million, Rodon was the best you could get, and they wanted to have one more pitcher as opposed to another hitter. Let's just recap it real quick. The White Sox dropped $46,826,000 off their payroll, then gave raises out that left them $23 million to spend out of that $46.8 million, and then spent just $3 million over it when they brought on new players. They're bringing back the same payroll, the same amount of money, essentially, as last year. And it also now explains why the Hendricks deal was so difficult to get done. Why Rick Hahn had to get so creative to make sure that he added value to that contract. And he had to do it on the back end of the contract because he wasn't being afforded very much money on the front end of the contract. It explains so much about the idea that Eaton 
get they go to Eaton for seven million when they strike out on Peterson for ten. Because he sits there and he goes, okay, well, if I'm going for somebody else, I'm going to have to pay more. But if I can get Eaton on the cheap and he's really, in our mind, the second best guy in that price range and I could save three mil, maybe I can flip that around and sweeten my offer to Liam Hendricks because that's the guy he coveted. If you put this into perspective, if this was the payroll, if it was everything that I have told you it was over the last couple of weeks, if the bad news really is true that Jerry Reinsdorf basically told Rick Hahn, you had the same amount of money that you had last year, basically. And that's the conversation that was had. And Han's able to shed that money and then bring in the other guys and give the raises out that he had to give out. That's sickening, first of all. It's, it's gross. It's gross because you look now at overall uh, salaries in, in Major League Baseball. And what the Minnesota Twins have done is they've caught right back up to the White Sox. They're spending basically the same amount we're spending. So are the Blue Jays. We're all basically sitting right in the middle of Major League Baseball. And then when you go back and you look at the White Sox before the rebuild began, and you see year after year after year where they're 13th, 14th, 15th, or 16th in Major League Baseball and payroll, when they weren't in a rebuild, and then they go in a rebuild and they drop down to the bottom, they're bottom dwellers in payroll for several years, while we sit around and look at crap on the field and we keep getting told the money's going to be spent, and all they did was elevate themselves back to being in the middle of the pack again. No increase. And all that money over those three years when they were basically paying nothing for players, where did it go? What what happened to all that money that should have been in a big pot so you could have gone and gotten Marcelo Zuna or shocked somebody with another move or just spent a little bit more to get an extra bat in there so you didn't have to force Andrew Vaughn up? This team is really good. In fact, they are a contender to win a pennant. They could have been so much better. And when they're on a losing streak, or if they're chasing the Twins at some point, or if they don't win the division this year, the first thing everybody should say is, it's because of the budget that Jerry Reinsdorf gave Rick Hahn. Sure, he's responsible for if he brings in guys and doesn't spend the money well, but he was really hamstrung this year. Really hamstrung by an owner who looks at the bottom line and then gets people like Dave Kaplan who comes on our show and tells us just a a week or so ago, and this isn't against Dave at all, but he convinces a guy like Cap. Well, I, I, I want to win. Remember that? He was telling us on the show. Oh, Jerry wants yeah. to win. Jerry's going to get a hitter. Jerry's going to get a pitcher. Well, I look at this right now, and if nothing changes, that's just that's Jerry's line. He's saying it, but it ain't true because he, he should have been able to pony up another 10 mil. Where, where, where's another $10 million in the grand scheme of things, Jerry? But all you did was you basically said, we're holding firm. We're not changing the payroll. And I said it. Just trying to do the, the math in my head, and Ed proved it on Mismatch Socks. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. 
You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Look, you know, I, I think you're right. And I think where we're going to, as Sox fans, have this issue and have this problem that we're going to be looking at this is, is exactly that. If we're chasing the Twins, if we are in a wild card hunt then with the Blue Jays or the Yankees and we're looking at it going, wait a minute here, why are we falling behind? And we're watching young guys flounder when some of the guys that were out there that were even middle-of-the-road free agents that just adding, like you said, another $10 million and adding one more solid middle-of-the-road starting pitcher or adding one more bat to the rotation that doesn't have to be somebody that Vaughn can't leap over, but at least is somebody that you know what you're going to get out of him. That's where, as Sox fans, we should be incredibly pissed off. Now, if all the young guys come through, you know what they're going to say. They're going to say, look, we just had faith in all these guys that we drafted and all these yeah. guys who traded for them brought up, and we knew we didn't need to spend this money. So now, you know, we can take this next step next year, uh, you know, or we can extend Giolito and, and Lance Lynn and whatever. You know, but I'm not worried about the, those arguments right now. What I'm worried about right now is we're still questioning two starting rotation members. We are still questioning whether or not the DH is ready to go because he hasn't hit above a ball and he's only 55 games in. We are still questioning whether or not there is enough depth on this team to overcome injuries. There's not. There's there's not, Ed. You have so many question marks here and you're an injury or two away from all of a sudden being a team that's sitting in second or third place and try and hoping that guys come back and listening to things like, well, they're a young team. You're waiting to see whether or not Yoan Moncada like breaks out. I think he will. Like here, you want to know what my honest assessment is? I think Yoan Moncada goes back to being 2019 Yoan Moncada. He was dealing with COVID. I think Luis Robert takes a step forward. I think Adam Angle's an actually really good player who has developed into somebody that I wouldn't have minded sitting out in right field. I've said that before. In fact, after I saw this budget, I would have put Adam Angle out in right field and I would have saved the $7 million from Eaton and the $3 million from Rodon and used that $10 million to go get a pitcher. If I knew that's what the budget was, that's how I would have spent the money. So these are questions that will be asked here. It all comes back to this incredibly stringent budget that's been put on this team. But you do have a batting champion. You do have a guy in Jose Abreu who's an MVP. You do have one of the best catchers in baseball. You do have a really good top end of your rotation. Lucas Giolito is a stud. MLB Network continues to disrespect him and Tim Anderson. They put Tim Anderson as the 10th best shortstop in baseball. The guy won a batting title and just missed one in in the year following it. And in his best defensive season metrically ever in 2020, and he's the 10th best shortstop in baseball right now. I saw that. I clicked off the channel. And then they don't even include Giolito on the top 10 list. And they're putting bums up there that can't even put their stats next to him. So I hope they have a chip on their shoulder. And I think both of those guys are going to go out and have a great season. There's so much potential here. In fact, I still think the White Sox can win the AL pennant. But I don't understand why we have to make it so iffy. When you got an opponent down, step on their neck yeah. and break their neck. You had the American League down, and you could have gone out this offseason and stepped on their necks and then just made everybody hope that they could just hang with you in the postseason because you were an automatic entry. And now I'm concerned because this, this budget hamstrung this team, and there's a lot of questions. It's going to make for very interesting talk on our podcast, other podcasts, radio, uh, for, for people that are writing about it, because there's going to be so much to examine in spring training. It's going to be fascinating how the team is put together and how LaRusso uses the pieces. But that's because of all the questions that have been created by an unnecessarily low payroll. And, and, and I'm glad that your article pointed out 
that this team didn't really change what they were spending last year to this year and, and kind of backed up something that I've been alluding to now for several weeks. And I also, just for fun, uh, went through and using contracts and trades that have already happened for other teams, repositioned the White Sox offseason to see if they could have spent that money better and given the team a little bit more depth and a few more major league ready options. I agree with you on things like Moncada and uh, Tim Anderson will continue and Giolito's a stud and Aloy is a, you know, I, I think we know what he is at this point and he could even improve and, and Robert can I, certainly I think take Aloy a step is forward. an absolute star who when yeah. it gets to October is, is people are going to be like, we have Mr. October on our team. That guy yeah. is just hungry to go out there and hit the big hit and hit it really, really far. And he's he's got the moxie. He he is he's just going to continue to be like the man. He's going to get even bigger this year. Exactly. And so you take all of that in, but then you also look at you have a question mark at second base. You have a question mark at designated hitter, which for an American League team is a huge problem. You have question marks at the back end of the rotation, which is not uncommon around major leagues, but it shouldn't be if you have championship aspirations. You have a bullpen that is pretty solid, so you're good there. But right field is unsettled, and I hope you're right about Adam Engel, and I I agree with you. I think he turned the corner last year. I think what we saw was him starting to figure out his, his place and his role and how to approach his game in the major leagues. And I do think you're going to see him get a lot of at-bats because I think Adam Eaton does have, you know, a pretty decent history of getting hurt and spending Adam time Eaton on the injured Adam Eaton and Jimenez are both made out of glass. They both get hurt very easily. Eaton is totally made out of glass, and Jimenez does reckless things that hurts himself. I, you yeah. Know, like, this is, it is frightening to me. I'm, I'm literally scared. I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat worrying about the depth on this team. I said this three months ago. If you want to be a champion, you want to have long-term success, you have to have depth. You have to be like the Dodgers. I don't expect you to spend like the Dodgers, but you didn't need to spend like the Dodgers this year to have depth like the Dodgers. And you missed an opportunity by cheaping out at the end. You you yeah. flat out cheaped out at the end. You put this ridiculous constraint on your general manager and made him have to choose, do I go get a couple of high-end guys or do I spread it all out on, on middle-end guys? And he's decided, I'm going with the high-end guys, and I'm going to roll the dice on the young guys. That's the decision that Rick Hahn had to make. So he rolled the dice. He worked out a trade where he's able to acquire a front-end starter in Lance Lynn. He, he goes out, and he gets himself the big closer at the end of it, who, I'm sorry, folks, you might be mad that Alex Colomay only cost $6.5 million, and you spent $11 million this year on Liam Hendricks, but Liam Hendricks is, is worth, worth it. more than $4.5 million <laughs> than Alex Colomay. He yes. is totally worth more than that than Alex Colomay. Just look at the stat line. Look at how many people they put on base. Look at the 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 Ks through nine. Liam Hendricks is a better pitcher. Well, and also, don't think Alex Colomay, and I pointed this out, don't think Alex Colomay for a second is going to take that big of a drop in, in pay from Rick Hahn re-signing him when he's done a good job for the White Sox. No. The reason why Colomay took $6.5 million from the Twins to, by the way, possibly be their setup guy, not necessarily even their closer... But the reason why he took that that big old pay cut from his ten and a half million lack last of interest year, in him because nobody wanted him exactly. Right. There's other major league teams, so look around the major leagues and ask yourself what was the bidding war for Alex Colomay? It wasn't. The Twins finally said, "Hey, for six and a half, what do you think? Maybe you'll end up closing some games." And he went, "I guess." All right. Because what else is he going to do? Sounds good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else is coming. I get to at least make the White Sox pay because they got rid of me and brought in that Australian guy. 
Like, I mean, yeah. It's, it's like, it, you can't even compare watch me let, the, Yeah, watch me have Nick Madrigal ground out against right. me, guys. Right. You know? So uh, <laughs> this will be one of these things. Like, last year, we had the Rick factor. And we sat around and we tried to figure out how many games were impacted by Rick Renteria as a manager. Yeah. And we, at one point, were doing the Rick's factor because I want to see about Han's early moves and his personnel. And I think we said it, it cost them like one game last year. And, but, but Rick Renteria cost many more than that when we were, when right. we were breaking it down game by game. Right. Yeah. We'll probably have something like that similar, or at least be keeping track of it throughout the year this year, because I'm going to be curious because of the budget and a lack of depth, how many games did you cost the team? Did the restrictive budget cause this team to lose a certain amount of games or did Rick Hahn's use of his restrictive budget actually outperform and, and, and kind of save the team. This is a real test as, is he a good GM? Is Jerry Reinsdorf okay to be frugal because he depends on his GM or did his lack of funding for his baseball team lead to his team, not getting the desired result. We're going to watch it this year. It's going to be very interesting with a very good team. It's going to be a great season. I can't wait to get out to the ballpark and, uh, and hopefully I'm wrong. I want to be wrong about this like I was wrong about Tim Anderson two years ago and not right about this like I was right about Yoan Moncada two years ago. That's what I want to be. Yeah, and I want to see this happen where it outperforms, but where I think we're going to really find out ultimately is if this is the team that's on paper right now is the team that enters the playoffs, and let's let's skip forward from the, from the regular season and say the Sox make it in, whether taking the division or in a wild card, but if the team that we're expecting them to have on paper, the team that basically exists as we can look at it right now and we can sort of project it right now, if that's what walks into the playoffs and they get smoked in the first round, then I think we have our answer about the restrictive budget because that means that they were a couple of top guys short of being able to get past another good team. If they make a deep run and they win the AL pennant and they're runners-up in the World Series or something like that, or if they win at all... Well, then we also have the answer in that, you know what? Obviously, Rick Hahn knew what he was doing because he got the right guys because they won it. Imagine if fans get back in the stands and Jerry starts making money, and then all of a sudden Rick goes near the trade deadline, I want to go trade away these prospects and add $15 million to the payroll, and you see them make that deal. And it's going to cost them prospects to add that payroll because of the restrictive budget in the offseason when you could have just added that payroll back in February. But now there's money because Jerry doesn't spend unless he's making. And and that will also be an intriguing thing when you see some prospect you really liked have to go someplace else to add a pitcher that you could have gotten somebody that caliber back in February. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.